Now is your time to flinch. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am your moderator, B. Jones, and today we're going to be getting into some financial fledging. Art's going to be leading that discussion for us today, and we also going to jump into this Colin Kaepernick, Michael Vick situation, man. The guys are going to get their take on that. But before we get too deep into this thing, man, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my fellas. J-Days, T.I., what's going on? Hey, what's going on, baby? How we living today? <laughs> There's a few different ways I can answer that question. But for the podcast, I'm, I'm optimistic, man. most optimistic. Yeah, yeah, less than highly fit. There it is. I, I'm gonna go over to, to Deacon Rubra, who, who's been training his Hall of Fame pitcher, Mike D. What's happening? Rude dog, rude dog. The summer's been hot, but it's been good. Baseball season is over. It's over. It's been a good ride, though. It's enjoyable. A whole lot of experiences. Yeah, definitely. Send congratulations out to that young man, man. Uh, he got the state championship. And uh, he got a lot of exposure out there, man. Mm -hmm. so looking to do a lot of great things. Uh, Mike Jr., right? Yes, sir. Mike Deuce. Yep. Mike Deuce. There it is, man. Moving right along to Mr. Logistics. BJ, what's going on, bro? Evening, everybody. Everybody's good. It's a good day to be alive, man. Glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. Yeah, to be black. Glad to be black and back. Hey, Mr. Sex in the City, man, you over there chucking it up? What's happening, bro? What's going on, y'all? Um, it's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on a newspaper page. Mm -hmm. Love and tradition of the grand design. Some people will say. It's even harder to find. Family matters. Oh, you should have brought that all the way to the court. Yeah, you should have. No, no, just enough. What? Boom. Just, just enough. enough. That's just the enough. audience says. And leave them hanging like. Nah, man, you have them on the edge of this. Man, that, yeah, that's when the good. audience jumps in. You know what I'm saying? They start singing right along. I'm not trying to pay royalties. I'm nowhere to stop. <laughs> only 15 seconds only 15 seconds <laughs> DJ Barry B Fresh man welcome to the show man what's happening point is this to my um, international listeners we out here we excited we ready to go as usual let's get it I hope y'all ready for the fresh jam of the week oh yeah fresh jam of the week yeah, coming at the end of the show man. Coach K Shots over there fired. Coach K over there in the corner what's going on bro hey what's happening man you know I can't let Faison just <clears throat> do that. So <clears throat> there's no place like home with your family around you. You're never alone. When you know that you're loved, you don't need to roam because there's no place like home. 227. Two, seven, and baby. I remember that from, like Ian said a while ago, a couple episodes ago, I dropped that. Ooh. 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 Did you, did you That's that? my jam. He did. I, I love that. I love that show because Jack oh, A man. was my girl. Oh, oh man. man, that was your first crush, huh? Nice Jack surprise. A. Oh yeah, I was like, yeah, I was young. That was hey, Jack A. Was everybody's first crush? I was, about to say, I was, yeah, I yeah. was with yes. Jack A. Too. Yes, I was definitely Brett, with Brett Jack A. Still have no yes. idea what's going on right now. We, we, we gonna skip over all of that. Damn, <laughs> oh, man. For you, for, for, for you youngsters, it was T and Tamara's mama on sister sister. There you go. Wow. Oh. oh. There you go. Man, it was before it was before she had the twins. Yeah, uh -huh. way before. <laughs> okay, but, but it came right after Mary and the Jeffersons. She got her own show. That's where it all started. Went so it all connected back then. Back then, people were on the same shows, and just it was big connection. And it kind of all awesome. now it's all, all spread. Yeah. So Stop asking. It wasn't not the same mom, but you knew only people. <laughs> There's only black actors recycled. Those are the only black actors. Yeah, it's like those Spike Lee movies, man. Over like and over again. Yeah, same actors. Oh, oh man. It's good stuff. Carol, what's man, going think, on, I man? Think, I think Spike used to sign people to a contract or something. Like, you got to do this many movies for me. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. You think he was holding on tight to him? I, th oh, I, think yeah. Spike, I think Spike was signing, like, multi-movie deals. And this is what it is. You get this money. That's it. Doesn't matter how well the movie does. This is it. <laughs> yeah, you have exactly. You are into me for three movies. We need to have our fact checker. Get we on. have our fact checker here today. So BJ, fact you checker is here. 
you you were officially given that role on one of the podcasts that you weren't in attendance for. So I, I hope you're ready. Um, just you know, was, was, damn, <laughs> when you not hear what happens. <laughs> Why you were not there to vote? You have been voted in. He's, hey, so listen, man. Let me let me tell you all about the craziness that happened the other day. So we are are short people at work. That means that I, as the purchase manager now, do appraisals a couple days a week. So I go out to appraise a, uh, a RX-8. Terrible vehicle. The really? Anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that like rotary motor or something? Yeah, those yeah two, two cylinders. Uh, so, 2004, I go out to appraise the car. First of all, I'm walking out. I got the keys. I see the person getting the car appraised by the car car, but on the passenger side. So I'm there like, what's going on? She's like, oh, are you coming to, to appraise this car? I was like, yeah, I sure am. She's like, oh, okay, I need to get something out of here. But she's on the passenger side. So I unlock the door and her son gets out. Mm. So I'm sitting there. Well, he's small. He's in the passenger seat. He had to be like maybe eight, nine years old. Okay. I wasn't in the car yet. I'm not at the car. Okay. okay. But I'm trying to figure out why she couldn't get her son out the car before. <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, well, you know, I could have had him open the door, but you know. And I'm like, no, I don't know. But yeah, I, do not <laughs> I didn't know. say anything. Pretty so weird. I go ahead. I open up the driver door. She's got her son. They go inside. I'm sitting in the driver's seat getting options on the car. All of a sudden, she reappears. And, you know, our RX-8 is not that big. Nah, man, it's two doors. Two doors. Two doors. So she's kind of in the doorway, and I'm just trying not to look at her option the car. I look over. She's collecting, like, $2 and maybe 45 cents that's in the, the driver door panel. And she turns to me and says, oh, I, I don't want you to think this is because of you or anything. And I'm oh, like, oh, oh, oh. Well, who else would it be because of the reason be? Oh, I mean, is there a vending machine in the... In the I was going to say the You know what I mean? Maybe thing, she's just man. trying to give no, her the benefit man. of the doubt. No, it had nothing to do with the vending machine uh, <laughs> because she tried to play it off and said... She actually said, oh, I just needed to get some knickknacks out of the door. <laughs> That's what we're calling change nowadays? Knickknacks? baby. So she tried to leave me astray and say, oh, well, I don't know if he's going to need the registration. And I'm like, well, he's already put the appraisal in, so he doesn't need your registration. But anyway, so she gets... And it's not like, you know, two quarters and two dimes. It's like nickels and stuff like that. So sixty pennies. So what do you all think? <laughs> what do you guys think I did? Uh, I mean, out of customer service, I think you just, you know, let it ride. Yeah, let it ride. This is your place of employment. Well, okay, all right. Uh, customer service. Okay, I'm with you, but. Now, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you let that ride. <laughs> now, like that's what I'm saying. It's the place of employment, so it's only a certain you can only go so far with. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've encountered mm-hmm. some of these situations. Right. It's crazy though. I'm gonna let you go ahead and end the story, but it's crazy how these people come in and put themselves in this situation, not understanding that you are affecting the person that is about to give you a dollar amount for your vehicle. I just exactly. want you guys to you think are. about that. The next time you go to a place where you're going to get your vehicle appraised. Think about how you're treating that person that is going to give you that amount for that view. Go ahead, Kay. So I see what's going on. I reached in my pocket because I had a dollar in my pocket. And I said, ma'am, I said, you know, I'm slightly blessed and I'm lucky to, you know. <laughs> so you look like you, you know, you're really trying to gather all that. So here's another dollar. Let me contribute to your cause. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Just make sure you pay it forward in the future. And she just looked at me and then she took my dollar and walked off. Of I like that, man. Took, what could she, she do? Dollar, what she, what could she, she had to. She had to. At that she point in time, she had no option. Yeah. <laughs> I like that for several reasons, man. Not only was it like nice, nasty, like Claire Huxtable, nice, nasty. Like you didn't, you didn't let her off the hook. You know what I'm saying? So like now, couldn't man. You, now the next time she has an interaction like this, she's gonna think twice about how she deals with it. And I was talking to my brother mm-hmm. about a similar situation. But you can't let people off the hook with these type of situations these days, man. Couldn't do it. And then you know, I hit 15 years on what was that? July 3rd, right? So you know me. I've been telling everybody, 15 years. It's been a good run. So. <laughs> <laughs> You at the point where it's gonna take a, mo- a mountain to move before they get rid of you. 
Well, I don't know about all that. Let's not say all of that. We do have some people that work at our place of employment and listen to this podcast. So that's I don't, fair, that's fair. I, we don't <laughs> challenge out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is, man. Let's move this thing right along, man. Um, I, we were dealing with this Colin Kaepernick, Michael Vick situation earlier in the week. And I know it's <clears throat> kind of been passed or whatever, but I couldn't let it go, man, just because of the profound effect that I think it will have on the listener base. So for those on the call, as well as that might be listening, you know, right now, you know, you had Michael Vick come on some sports show during the week. He was talking about different athletes. He talked about Zeke Elliott for a little bit. Then they got on the subject of Colin Kaepernick. And as you know, we've spoken about Colin Kaepernick on the show before and how he's put in, he hasn't had the platform to do some of the things that he does and have a, the impact that he might want it to have on the league. So Mike Vick comes on the show. They get on the subject of Colin Kaepernick not being on the football team right now because he's still a free agent. And Mike Vick proceeds to say that the main reason that Colin Kaepernick hasn't been picked up yet, it, it has more so to do with his play on the field than it does his um, actual, I guess, the, the, the political stand that he takes. And he thinks that in order for him to get back on the field, he needs to adjust his image, so cut his hair. He, he went as far to say as he needs to make himself presentable in order to get back in the league and get back into the good graces of the league. Colin Kaepernick, you know, took that and hit him with, the, you know, Stockholm Syndrome uh, tweet to respond to that, which we all may or may not know. But that's basically where you uh, identify with or, or have uh, empathy or sympathy with that person that may have abused you for some time. So putting it all in context, when you're talking about Michael Vick making this statement, this is a dude who we all know about the dog fighting incident. He went to jail for a couple of years, had to sit down for a couple of years and had to do a whole lot of things um, that were against, I guess they might've been against his uh, character to get back into the good graces of the league. And so I think that's what he was trying to tell Colin Kaepernick in order to get back into the good graces with these people who run the league, you need to work on your image and make that a, a, a priority to get back into the league. So I want to lead with that with you, fellas, because I want to get your your stance on it. Um, I've had, I feel a couple of different ways about it. Um, one of my opinions is a little bit unpopular amongst those who I've had this discussion with. Um, and that would be that if Colin Kaepernick does want to play in the league, given the owners, the management, general managers, Michael Vick isn't all the way wrong with what he's telling him to do if it is what he wants to do is play in the NFL because it's similar. You have to conform to the rules of the industry or wherever you're at to be able to be a part of it. I'm not saying that that's what he should do because I feel like Michael Vick should have done better to stand beside Colin Kaepernick for where his, where his stance is and how he is in the league. And I had a major problem with the fact that it always seems like there is one person or there's always somebody that should be on our team or that looks like us or is one of us, but that doesn't support the movement in the way that it should be supported. And so by him directly speaking out, basically telling Colin Kaepernick, you need to conform in order to get back into the league or do whatever, you basically like gave the general management or the owners of the league, you gave them um, validation to validation. do exactly what they do. You gave them validation to do exactly what they do. When Colin Kaepernick <clears throat> needs to do is to stand his ground continue to hold his integrity in the moment and, and continue to do what he's doing if he gets back into the league great he's definitely good enough to play for somebody but he doesn't need to compromise himself in order to do that so i'm gonna pass it on to you guys now I'm, i think i'm gonna go to jay since he was a little bit more silent on the podcast last week get your take on it and we just go around the room and have that discussion no that's i mean you said you said a lot in, in that um that brief moment but i think that you do like i agree with your opinion like you do have to compromise if you are trying to get back in the league like there's things you have to i, I mean honestly in in life there's going to be compromises uh, i don't think that you should compromise the character or your values but in in order to reach any kind of agreement there has to be compromise you can't just have it your way and what you want all the way all the time and vice versa the other side can't have what they want all the way all the time so you have to come to an agreement and in order to agree, I believe you have to compromise. I'm not saying that he should do it in that way, but maybe do it in a way that it better fits him 
into the understanding of him and the NFL. But as far as like to just to not think that you have to compromise in some way to reform, I think that you kind of shoot yourself in the foot out the gate. I I, I totally disagree. Okay, one 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 other time, one other time, one other time, one other time. Faison, he he stood and had put his hand. Yeah, yeah. I followed the rules of the followed the rules of school according to BJ's lesson last week. So I and mine's a bit quick. I just think, and we said this before, like a long time ago, we said on one of the podcasts. In order for you to demand that kind of action. He has to have the skill to do so. And because he's just an average player right now, although he couldn't be, but he's an average player, and average players don't get the platform to make demands. So it's not about conforming, but until he gets that status up, he can't he can't demand that until he's on a team. When you're not on a team yet, you gotta do what you gotta do to get on. Then once you're on, you gotta prove and then make actions play. Go ahead, Fresh, you were gonna jump in. Um, I, I totally disagree. I um applaud Kaepernick on taking the stance, but I think it's deeper than not even necessarily deeper. But I am a person who gets very agitated with um the need to judge on face value and not quality of work. At the end of the day, Kaepernick's job is to play football. At the end of the day, statistically, if you put what he did last year compared to numerous, not just one or two, but numerous quarterbacks who have jobs, some starting jobs mm-hmm. across the NFL, it is not um, it is not a haircut that is denying him the ability to do what he <laughs> should be paid to do. And I think that goes across the board. You know, I personally had um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, my wife used to work not two years ago that she used to work there, but she used to work at JM Family, um, a corporate uh, entity. You know, a couple years ago, we were at a party with some of her old friends who still work there. And we got in a conversation about tattoos. And the girl was very distraught because she had a younger girl who came in who was like a secretary and had no um, worry about the tattoo that she had on her shoulder. They went to some JM um, event and at the event, uh, they, you know, she had her, her shoulder tattoo out and the girl could not understand why she would she would be okay with showing her tattoo and <laughs> thought it was like so disrespectful to the company and XYZ and everything else. I understand. Okay. But I asked her, I said, hey, did this, did this change the quality of the work that she did? No, but you don't understand because, you know, at the job XYZ about, you know, showing tattoo, you guys are in a job where none of your clients actually see you at best they talk to a person on the phone it's only you guys in here and you're still going to get so offended by a tattoo it wasn't like she had some you know death metal tattoo it was probably a flower or something beautiful but it just it always agitates me that especially in corporate america and in business that we get to this place of you know well if you're not in a, a three-piece suit in and you know a super tie you're not really about business I know mm-hmm. plenty of extreme business people who are in tank tops, flip flops, shorts, are are geniuses and, and have, you know, a good sense on them. They just don't. That's not their flavor. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's something that needs to be further pushed into society is the understanding of judge people by their character and actions and stop putting up such this, uh, you know, having such prejudgment and basing everything off of, oh my gosh, this guy's got dreads and goals. He's got a, he has to be some type of criminal. You don't know that. This man, you know, just because of where someone grew up and what they uh, decided to like and, and, you know, what made them the person that they are does not automatically categorize them in any negative light until they decide to put themselves in and show that character. It's just unjust and unfair to me on past the scale of black and white it's just like as human beings we need to stop doing it it doesn't matter if it's the the golden dreads or it's the you know white rocker guy or the you know the the goth guy it doesn't matter i think that colin kaepernick's haircut is not going to change his ability to play ball i understand in the eyes of you know, super corporate who who feel that you have to have this certain look, but at the end of the day, his job is to play football. If right. play Wait, football we're not talking good, about the stance. Have... I thought we were talking about the stance. The problem was a haircut. 
So Michael Vick was saying yeah. that he needs to change his image. He needs to start with a haircut, oh. clean up his the way he looks, and well, that I retract my I retract my yeah. statement. I was focusing on the stance, not the haircut. So well, I don't think that he yeah. should conform but, at all. I think that like I said, there's a difference between conforming and compromise, in my opinion. And Listen, go ahead, Kay. I think we're missing what Mike Vick's whole goal was, and I really haven't heard anybody talk about this. Mike was stepping on Colin's neck to try and get himself a commentator position. Mm. Right? Because isn't, that how, isn't that how it works? I didn't hmm. even think about Sadly, it from that angle. If I didn't it, even think about it from that angle. I can angle. say something next Steven Smith. about a guy like this oh, that man, like everybody Steven. in the league has ha, feels some kind of way about. I'm going to gain favor with owners. I'm going to gain favor with the networks. And somebody's going to extend an invitation to me to be a coach. Oh, yeah. But that I am out of a job. Guy is. I am but, out of a job next season. I know yeah, that's who he is, though, because when Michael Vick got into that trouble with the dogs and everything, he did a whole lot. He changed everything. He basically did what he needed to do to get back into the league. And what people, I don't think, are realizing when he's talking to Colin Kaepernick, that's the place that he's talking from because but, he wanted to play football and he was trying to do whatever but, it took to as play Shannon football. Sharp said, that's a total different look. What Michael Vick did in killing dogs and in running this, you know, ring of, of dog killing is totally different than trying to make a civil rights statement of, you know, just like Shannon said, you know, the disproportionate way that uh, uh, brown brothers and sisters are being uh, executed at the end of the day in comparison to how they're supposed to be represented in our nation. That's the only thing that is like, what, I understand where you're coming from. And yeah, if Colin Kaepernick had slapped somebody or done something mm-hmm. stupid, punched his, his wife in the face and knocked her out in the, in the elevator, yes, I understand, brother. You might need to think about, you know, change your image and look into, you know, be something else. But when it's like, man, you're standing up for an injustice that, especially people in that realm, you know, where are our... Um, we say where are our civil rights activists right now where are the people who are leading you know those types of conversations they're lost and to have somebody who you know when Kaepernick did it it was on the the the, the cusp of him you know just having his Super Bowl season and it yep. was he was still a topic of conversation even though his his um, play had started to to go down he still was uh, a noted figure and it made an impact and I respect the fact that he took that stance and there's no way that I think that you know cutting hair is going to change the <laughs> fact that they are still looking at him like oh no he's the he's the dirty seed I don't know if you guys just heard um in Israel Israel or somewhere else that for basketball there's a basketball league and one of the owners of the basketball league started talking about how you cannot have more than three uh black people on your team because they'll form a gang and it will go crazy like it the craziest conversation I ever that heard. Happened again. Didn't, didn't someone say that? Didn't um, that happened in NBA? Wasn't that coach? You no, know, you're talking about Sterling. He Sterling just said that he didn't want no. Magic Johnson. No, no, no. Somebody said one of the coaches said that to LeBron James that you're their gang, and LeBron got. Oh, you talking about him? No, he said they're a posse. He said no, posse, women is posse. 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 Thank he didn't you. say it Thank like you. that. He didn't say it in the same context that this guy was saying. A hundred percent. If you have more than three black players on your team. They will band together and it will create an issue like a game. Um, hey, hey, listen, let's not act like when we all went to school, if we set foot off campus and there were three to four of us together, like we weren't getting stopped by the police asking us where we were going, what we were doing. Uh, I got stopped right outside of my own home in Coral Gables one day. Yes. yes. Right. I, wow. I'll leave it. I, hmm. Yeah. I've, so, I've been you didn't grow up that way next in the city. <laughs> BFBG, and this baby. is why, and this is why we have seven different opinions on great topics. Yeah. So going back to the fact that he even made that statement, this is the thing that bothered me the most about it. And I think I talked about it when we just introduced this topic. But why isn't it the case where Michael Vick and others in the league? Because I think Colin Kaepernick's stance could be the building blocks of something much, much greater, especially for the NFL players, if they all got behind him. Because as we already stated. He's not the guy that can lead the charge, but he's the guy that can spark the spark. You know yes. what I'm saying? Why isn't it the case where somebody who was in a similar situation, not even similar, who was in a situation where he was basically ostracized by the league, pushed by the wayside, 
and had to conform and do everything else to get back into the league. But knowing what he had to give up, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe I might be reading into, into it too deeply, but having to give up so much of yourself to conform to the owners and the management of the league to be able to play football, a game that you love so much. I know that had to take a toll on him mentally um, over that course of time. Who, Why Mike? not? Michael Vick, yes. From when he had to come in, he had to cut his hair. He had to, you know, play nah, for the team. Nah, because this is all I know. All I know is football. That's how I grew up doing. This is all I know. If I don't have this, I don't have anything. So I will sacrifice whatever I need to in order to be and, out there on the and, field. And that's Michael Vick. Problem. But Michael Vick is, is an even more extreme case because of how great that he was. That exactly what Carol's saying. That his, his whole, I will do anything, sir. To be able to play the foosball again, exactly. you know what I mean. Like there is no that when you go from being all your life praised, you can do no wrong. Do you know what that felt like for him to go from that superstar status to all of a sudden just because one of your homeboys slipped up or some stupid crap? Now hey. you are 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 awesome. like most wanted. Yeah, like the 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 the, the high yeah. to the low that he had to felt in the mm. moments in jail like i know he's he he is broken he has yeah, been broken I, I think, like, go ahead mike i think he genuinely was trying to help i mean i think he felt like from my perspective this is what i had to do so if you want to get paid this is what you're gonna have to do mm-hmm. i thought i thought that too i felt like he maybe could have like elaborated a little bit more i mean i didn't really hear the interview so maybe he could have went into better depth and better explained himself but i got that vibe too mike he needed yeah. to shut his mouth. He needed to shut word. his mouth, man. He okay. needed, well, That's all I got to say on that. <laughs> it's, it's, to me, though, there's no, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no comparison because while I understand in Vic's head what his, his thought process was, what you guys did are two total different countries. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's foolish to try to put your act in, 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 in the issues that you faced in the same room of what he did. So we got to be careful because I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I don't think he's trying to compare him fighting dogs to Colin Colin Kaepernick taking a stance on social injustice. All I think he was really focused on is what you need to do to be able to get back into this game, if that's what you truly want to do. And so, and my issue is when you got this dude that's standing on a platform to try and help the betterment of your people, why not give him the support he needs and say I you know I, I agree with what he's doing for X, Y, and Z reasons. I think more athletes in the NFL like uh, Richard Sherman said should support him in this cause and try to do better about it because these things lead to other changes within NFL. You got ML, the MLB, the NBA, they all getting guaranteed contracts. The NBA once they, they had a, a strike basically to be able to get their players you know paid the way that they wanted to get paid you had LeBron James signing two year agreements and everything so in order to inspire change the players gotta go get behind something and this was a perfect opportunity for the players and those outside of the league to jump behind something that is big, that will be bigger than themselves and I just feel like the ball was ultimately dropped and you gave that validation back to the management saying that yeah it's still your league you can do what you want to do. Y'all can be the public masters, and we are the puppets. You got some people that's looking out it's for money. themselves, and you got other people looking out for you know for the people. You know what I mean? If you want to look at it like that, not every you can't. Everybody doesn't have the same value system. Everybody doesn't have the same views on life. So if Mike Vick don't necessarily same, share the same uh, opinions as Mike, uh, Colin Kaepernick, then he did what he did because that's who he is. But also, I feel the look the football players do not feel that they are going to have enough of an impact that, you know, rising, they don't understand that if they did uh, rise behind him, the the impact it could make at the end of the day. They feel that they are too, look, I play football, bro. That's all I do. And I'm just trying to get a check and I don't need, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need all of that trouble. I want to make sure I can still get here. I want to make sure, you know, you need to have, um, superstars be the catalyst of you know the movement in order to make that true impact as opposed to you know Colin Kaepernick did his thing but it's it's like hey man yeah it, guess, it, even man. people people still will agree with him but they do that silent agree of oh yeah I, I see what he did yeah but, but no nah, I'm not gonna you know I'm here to play football at the end of the day man you know I'm gonna play football and then it's a different dynamic because if you look at like an NBA team, it's not as many players. 
So they're a lot closer. Major League Baseball, they're together for a long period of time. So they start in February. They're spending almost every day with each other until October. NFL locker room, you got some people on the offense that never have a conversation with people on the defense. No, there's not the the friendship bonds. There's not the relationship. There's not the, even though they talk about, I die for my brother on the football field. That's about football. Football's over. Friendship ain't got nothing to do with that. It's about somebody actually taking a stand and and believing that. Forget, this is all I know. This is something I believe in. And but if I speak up, I'm gonna feel the consequence. And if that was if that was the mentality that that everybody had, think the whole civil rights movement. I mean, if you want to put it in perspective, if everybody had a mentality, what would today be like? Like, I think it, it, people just. Here's what I was going to sell, sell out, basically. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Uh, why, go ahead why is PETA the most feared organization on the planet? Dogs. Man. It's more than dogs, it's, it's just animals. It's animals period. Yeah. Where, where is the organization that people fear like that when it comes to civil rights or equal rights? What, what organization is feared that way? There's not. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how mm-hmm. much power you have. You're scared of Peter. You don't want Peter coming after you. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say Black Panthers, Nation of Islam. They were. Who's yeah. scared of? But who's, no, yeah, I'm about to say who now is scared of? Who is now is scared of the Black Panthers? But I think that's part of the conversation. Once you get to a point where there's an organization that you fear, they take it down. Whatever they. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you if you look at the, uh, I think fear plays a huge factor because if you look at how strategically anybody who does embrace arise up and try to say something like the lifestyle that they live or. The consequences that they have to go through. Like, look at the, the civil rights activists that we have had. The lives that they lived, like they lived in um, in danger all the time. Like, you know, like the old school, um, you know, taking it all the way back, MLK, Malcolm um, X, all those people. Like, they they didn't had necessarily lived the lives that that we would desire to live today. So it's but scary. Let's, but let's go back. Let's go back. Carol, go ahead, and then we're going we're going to wrap this up and move on to the next segment. Go ahead. Because here's my thing. Mike mentioned. Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, right? That was black people fighting on behalf of black people, right? Mm-hmm. PETA is not run by animals. There you go. You've got people that are advocating for animals all over the place. Mm-hmm. So where is that organization that does that? And look, it doesn't have to just be about black people. It could be about homosexuals. It could be about wh- whatever. You know, it could be about Muslims, where is the organization that's advocating for everybody else? See, the, the, the issue with uh, issue with, I guess, perception nowadays is exactly what you just said. If those individuals, if one individual, say one individual from every single team, saw what Kaepernick did and decided, you know what, I'm gonna stand next to this man, they start making that wave, and one ripple, one, one ripple at a time, and that's how the momentum is built. Mm-hmm. And somebody said earlier about them not feeling like I just came to play football. Like people have become brainwashed so much that you can do whatever to me, just don't stop my check. Yep. You can do whatever to me, just don't don't interrupt the way I live from day to day. Exactly. And when you make me uncomfortable, then I'm gonna get like I said. I and I, I was trying to bite my tongue earlier, but I kept I kept I cringe every time y'all was saying get back in the graces of. The oldest kid, oh, my kids watching the show. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, pretty much is is the NFL, NBA. If you really look at it, is the next slave trade market. Mm-hmm. No, no matter how you look at it, and you can you can debate all you want to. Anybody out there want to do it? That's fine. But people are being bought and sold, and their souls are being sold in the process. Yeah. And until we have somebody, you know what, and we stand behind them when they do it, like Kaepernick, he didn't. And I again, I don't follow this whole story. I, I I didn't follow it all the way through, but I know the stories I did read was when he was out of work and still not being picked up, but yet he was giving all the donation of all his shoes exactly. to to homeless in there when he was going out and donating all this. The man and and everybody should have jumped behind this man. And supporting him and and whatever he did, and until we do that as a as a group, and I'm not just talking about black, I'm just talking about as people to stand up for human rights. Like 
um, anything to do with politics, anything to do with religion, anything to do with just basic human rights from day to day. Until we do that as a society, society it's going to be the same thing, being bought and sold until your soul is gone. And then the next person going to come on and you kick to the curb. Amen, brother. There it is, BJ. I appreciate you, man. That was a great way to wrap that up, man. He didn't get us on that sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> we love animals. Faisal, yeah. we, coming, we coming over to you next, man. We coming to Artist Corner. You was going to give us some uh, some of that financial fledging, man. So what are we talking about? Yeah, wow. Um, trying to climb out of that hole. It's pretty dark down there. Uh, let's, let's, let's get some... Um, wow. Okay, so... Uh, I kind of want to start off with this. So, you know, my initial thought, and I, I kind of thought about this process after last week and I had my mind going on uh, what I was going to say. But today, literally, I would say probably three hours ago, I um, just happened to, to be stop, stopping at 7-Eleven. So we're going after the baby appointment, checking up on uh, number two. And I walk into the, the convenience store and I just happen to see a girl. She had to be probably nine or 10 years old behind the counter. Her mom's there, her grandpa's there working, um, but she's just there behind the counter, just as happy and cheerful and joyful, um, you know, working in the area that's predominantly, you know, Latino and black. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna assume, I'm gonna say just broadly and very ignorantly, but say some part of India. Um, I don't, I can narrow down the Pacific, you know, state, uh, but I see her there and, and her my mom and grandparents were teaching her the, the way the family business is run. Like she, they, they are reinvesting her. And even though, you know, someone come in there and they can be like, oh, you know, this little girl, I'm gonna take her, I'm gonna call the um, labor department and say that they're, they're making this little girl work. No, 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 it's not about that. It's the fact that she's there. You can always just say that, you know, this is my daughter, I'm just showing her some cool tricks and go around a circle. But the fact that, that that their family is reinvesting in the young one, so she's summertime, she's probably working three hours a day, four hours a day, but she's learning that business from her grandparents. And 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 it's crazy because I think back to all the 7-Elevens, all the convenience stores, everything that we have in all different type of neighborhoods. If you, know, you travel around, you go to you know, an aesthetic Jewish neighborhood, you're going to see an aesthetic Jewish convenience store owner. You go to you know suburban corner store. It's not going to be. It's going to be more of a Seven Eleven or more of a uh, more of a you know a, a Circle K or something nice. But you're going to see that type of person working in that store. But then you take the same ride down to any affluent city area: Detroit, Harlem, Philadelphia, Boulevard, and Mulcahy Boulevard. Like you see, look at all these places, and you know we don't. We as black people. <coughs> don't own anything in our neighborhoods and I, I tie it back to what JC said last week like don't die or something your mom is renting like we're we, we're giving all our money all the money we have in our pockets it doesn't bounce three or four times in our neighborhood or in our community to grow we immediately get paid and I'm, I'm generalizing so you know don't kill the messenger but we get paid and we give it to someone else who came into the neighborhood that we're living in we don't own the neighborhood we live in this neighborhood and then it's going from their pocket to their neighborhood because they're now keeping it in a very tight-knit community and they're working there and it's bouncing around there a couple of times before it goes back somewhere else well the first so problem the first problem is you assume that we have communities we do not have communities because a community definition of a community is an, an area where you run the government you have a fire department you have a police department that's what is traditionally defined as a community we don't we don't have any right and i, I don't think we've, 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 the only time we had that was very few correct there are some dallas the very dallas the, the, the prime prime area of a person dallas is very community oriented and it's kind of like the positive of segregation and that word is very can be tainted um, but the mindset that, you know, you have to build in where you are, how are you going to increase and show the people around you, show your kids, show your family what's happening if you don't have the example of these small things like a corner store? How much is that investment in a corner store? How much money do you give to that, that owner that you can say, hey, there's a abandoned building right around the corner, probably opposite of the street of the guy that's there selling it or the woman that's selling it. 
And you could have said, hey, I'm mom or dad, I'm gonna do this and start small and, and do it. Not do it, I mean, do it professionally. Make the shelves look nice, make this everything where it should be, don't run out of product. Cause we tried and I was in Philadelphia and I, up the street from me, there was you no know, um, a black family that owned the convenience store. They made food, they made things, but there was consistently either lights out, out of product, cause they're waiting to get paid from the community, making paid for people coming in, buying things to pay for the next process. And it's kind of like, we need to think way beyond this part. I'm gonna leave this, I'm gonna open the floor up so you guys are thinking about what how we can go this process. But I just see that that there's no, there's we, we're always giving, giving, selling, and giving our, our, our product, our money, and things away, or even our neighborhoods away. And we never think about how we could take that or how we can make that happen and revert that back to us so that we're now moving it without the fear of someone coming in and taking it or taking it away from us. Yeah, I think it's the patience. I think it's the actual patience to start it and be committed to it to continue it over time. It's where you have something to give down. A lot of people start their own business. They get frustrated that it's not getting off of the ground and that there's a dollar amount that they have in their mind that they're not making. Mm-hmm. So because of that, they start diverting and going to find other jobs. That business doesn't become sustainable and then there's nothing left. So in terms of trying to get the hands up to, to figure out, okay, well, I'm a first generation business owner. Mm-hmm. It's different from these people that have gone through generations of having it to where they've already got an established reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. There's already a nest egg that they can hand down to people to give you seed money to start it. There's a belief, there's a understanding and experience of this is what we do and this is how we do it. If you look at African-American families, they go from generation to generation in job but very rarely do they go from generation to generation in entrepreneurship on a large scale to where you can have a whole community that can do that. Do has the has the Black American dream? Um, and I say Black American because I don't believe in the African American terminology. My wife is African American. I'm Black American, but um, the, the mindset of uh, the, the Black American dream has that caused us not to think humbly and say, hey, you know, I may be able to open this door and all of my focus is is to put my son and daughter through college and when my son and daughter come back from college, either they're going to go on to be something bigger or they're going to come back and expand this this business somewhere else. Like, it's it does this is how it starts and I'm just wondering, has that, that dream that we have changed and ruined, ruined our mentality that we got to have the flashy, got to have this, got to have the spin, can't, can't hold on never had, bro, We never That's had a dream. dream. That's we not the dream, dream that we had. We uh, never had a dream, to be honest with you. Yeah. Our, our dream was being able to go to the same schools and drink from the same water fountain. Our dream was equality. Yeah, equality. our dream was a world where all of us could live and do stuff without people, yeah. you know, Colin Kaepernick and saying you need to cut your hair in order to look more like us. <laughs> and that's that's exactly what I, I was hoping you guys would say that because the fact that equality is a dream is is already a problem. Yeah, why is it, why do we need to be equal equal to someone else versus it being this is what we deal with when we have foreigners coming in. They just come in and say, I'm gonna, I see the opportunity, I'm gonna take it. And okay, you said, you said a, a lot of things in the opening mm-hmm. spiel. So, first yeah, thing, please go. Is, is, is when, the, when they sit with their daughter, their granddaughter in that store, it's that the idea of passing generation to generation and keeping mm-hmm. something in the family. Yeah, probably. Most, most black families you trace back, there was nothing to pass down. And then the point of, I'm going to achieve something, I'm going to do something. And in a lot of cases, except, you know, your hair care products and other industries now, you're going into the sciences and the medicine and things like that, are starting to feel that pass down. But we didn't have anything to pass down as far as um, wealth, uh, business opportunity. Um, we had knowledge. Um, and a, a lot of that knowledge was how to fight and survive. Mm-hmm. Um not thrive. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, so, it was survival mode, not thrive. Really, it was real survival. I mean, so at right, the end of the day, that's what we do. Correct. So when you look at that right there, that gives you the first definition of, of what you told when you talk about generational poverty. Mm-hmm. When you talk about generational poverty is, I don't know how to get there because I've never seen an example of it. So I don't know what to aspire to. Second thing you said is um, about the kids learning. Well, and and I this is part the part of education as a whole that I kind of I have issues with. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. as a whole for no, no matter what race what creed you're talking about if you look at the educational system well most what do most people do most people in the u.s have gone to public school you have the elite they've gone to private school like i say elite but i mean the op privilege or mm-hmm. they had the opportunity through scholarships later on based on whatever other things were out there but the educational system was designed for the industrial age when they needed mm-hmm. they needed workers to be able to read and write to execute whatever orders they needed on a daily basis in the factories and as business started taking off now times are changing we're in the information age but the educational system has not changed we don't teach kids to be entrepreneurs we don't teach kids to be thinkers we don't teach kids to go beyond the traditional barely you teach need, kids you, life skills basically you, right. we, we, we don't teach them how we teach them how to go get a job we don't right. teach them how to own we don't do that and that's right. the issue but with the music they teach a standardized curriculum for you to pass a standardized test for you to live a standardized life Mm-hmm. That's that's you're totally totally correct when it comes to education and books. Now, what I what I ask of you guys, and and what about that that kid that happens to you know buy candy or buy something in school, sells it in school, comes home, reinvested it, buy more product in the store, goes home and tell mom, hey, I'm selling candy or selling this in school, and mom or dad says you're wasting your time. Stop focusing on that that's and just read your books. Because that, they don't understand. That's, that's like right. a vision. You they just don't understand. I don't know how many parents necessarily would do that. I, I know. Right. I don't know how many parents, even uh, you know, black parents. I don't. I don't know that their child coming home and say, "I'm making money by doing X, Y, and Z." That hmm. they're going to be a dream killer in that sense. Um, I, I, I do feel that the the issue is. It, it, it was access and understanding. You know, we are just now getting to a point where we really understand and, and know how easy it is to start a business and that you can create businesses out of anything and, and try to figure out stuff. And like Mike said, the patience is low. People I don't understand that. I think it's a very small group that is starting to understand that. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's, but it's, there's, there's, I think that on a large scale, though, we all understand of the access that we have. What we do with that access is a big issue. However, I think that the understanding of, wow, I can do, you know, so many things just through the internet and and it doesn't matter if I'm in college or, or, you know, going to school for it. I can, I can find different things on this, you know, magic box is already a a, a drop in the ripple, you know. I don't, I don't even know if, if that's really widespread. So maybe the people that we have exposure to right. understand that. But I think overall, it's still not something that people really recognize that access because they kind of have the blinders on because some people don't want the responsibility and the challenge is going to come with knowing what that access is. Well, it's complacency, that, 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 that mentality of I'm okay but I'm not worried about what my kids are gonna do 10 years mm-hmm. down the line, 20 years down the line. And and that idea of worrying about, and um, I can't think of the line now from the song. But um, I will continue your comment. I'm okay as long as dot, 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 but if I look good, then they'll see me looking good. So again, it goes back again to where the money is that being brought in from their day jobs or their jobs they have, it's all about their outward flashing, and that's been passed down from generation to generation. Because generation. we try to impress each other, that's the problem. Exactly, and, it's not but about. Also, it was you know when we were back in the day, it was almost a sense of fake it till you make it, in the sense of the same Colin Kaepernick. You need to look respectable. You need to be able to. You don't want somebody to think you're a slave. You want them to think you're a house. You know, but instead people, of instead of business entrepreneurship. That's what was passed down, like what BJ said. That's the mentality that was constantly given to us. Instead of the you can have more or you can do more, you can achieve more mentality. That that's maybe being passed around in other uh areas of life in other positions. Another another terminology different. So if you look at the kid that's going to school, like you said, is selling a candy and coming home, they're gonna call him a hustler. And they're going to be like, you're about making money. Like, he's not going to be called an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He's going to put a negative label on mm-hmm. it. Where he doesn't really want to aspire to grow up and say, well, what does your daddy do? Well, he a hustler. That's right. not- because because you, can't, you cannot solicit 
on school property. Right. right. You're soliciting. The only thing that you can solicit is those dollar chocolate bars that we give you to raise mm-hmm. money for whatever uh, thing it is we're trying to raise money for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you, you can't come to school and sell candy. Mm-hmm. Right. When I go home, my parent is not going to tell me, oh, I see what you were trying to do. That's very entrepreneurial of you. Right. Oh, you can't go in there and break the rules. Mm-hmm. This, that, you know, you have to go in there and make sure that you don't get in trouble. Otherwise, Conform. they're going to yeah. kick you out. Yeah. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. And focus but it's on your not, books. It's not, not of ill intent. It's just she just trying to look out for you. You know what I mean? But, or the parent is trying to look out the for you. Fear lookout, as BJ was describing, and mm-hmm. not the, the lookout. Like, really, if she was trying to look out for you, she would encourage and, and understand too. I think as parents, a lot of time, and even as teachers, don't take the time to cultivate what is um, coming out in the child. You know, what what is, you know, their their. Their, their special talent or gifts and right. being able to push those out more instead of trying to say, hey, you need to be more like everybody else and you need to stop trying to, you know, do this a, a different way. But that's because, you know, they don't have that vision. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have so, that vision. Mm-hmm. So, so most of us have a friend in, in, in common, um, Hanan Ahmed, uh, I can't remember her, her yeah. married yes. name. Hanan, yeah, Hanan. But that's not her, her married we'll, name. We'll for, just keep her first name right. for, we'll, for, we'll for purposes. But anyway, uh, her family has a paper product company and it was started by her kids because they three had a sons. school project by her three sons and they yep. came with this idea in a school project and now they have a successful thriving paper paper product company um, in Jacksonville. Shout out to Hanan and, 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 her, and her family if they are listening, but that's the type of thing that that's because she had that vision to run with that, that they could cultivate that. Mm-hmm. And make something out of it where how many parents are out there missing the opportunities that their kids are probably presenting at that mm-hmm. point. Yep. Right? Because mm-hmm. we celebrate and you see it in TV shows still, you see the little lemonade stand out there or the iced tea stand. Right? right. And it's just like, okay, well, that's the same thing. Like, why why aren't we cultivating and, and growing that type of, of, of vision, that type of, of entrepreneurial spirit? So I think that's 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 where we want to kind of leave that phase, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up because it's going to be an ongoing topic on the third. So many more, so many more books. It's so (laughs) large, you know. We we talked about so many different things, man. But I want to I want to hit on that um, that education piece that you kind of started from, you know, and passing it down. So it has to start somewhere somewhere Mm -hmm. it has to start somewhere so for the listener the family man or woman whoever it has to start somewhere you have to stop the cycle if you're caught in the cycle uh right now the financial literacy is what's most important so you got to start learning about money and i'll be the first to tell anybody who wants to talk about money i hate the concept of money however it is a necessary evil within this life once you start understanding what money is and how it works, then you can start to build from there. And these are things that, unfortunately, they are not taught in the right way in our school systems, not mm-hmm. even in our or, college or education. So it has to be taught at home. So mm-hmm. in order to break that cycle, you have to start at home by feeding the entrepreneurial spirit within our kids or giving our kids the, thing, the things that they need to learn the right lessons. We're at a. Some of us are at a positions, at a position in our life where we are that person that is going to take our family to the next level. We are that person that is going to build that business or that entrepreneurship that is going to be able to be passed down to our sons and daughters, or is going to be able to employ our brothers, sisters, and cousins. So it starts with you. Mike hit on it with the patience thing. You have to be patient, but you got to be steadfast. So when it comes to trying to build that legacy, as Jay-Z talked about on 444, trying to build that financial literacy and leadership so that you can lead your family, you got to realize that the cycle got to stop somewhere and you got to start putting in that time and that work to educate yourself on how you can make these things happen. Because somebody else said it, I think it might have been Mike too, or no, I think it was Fresh, the nest eggs. Life insurance policies and things of that mm-hmm. nature are some of the biggest contributors to people investing in their businesses and that are, are ultimately yeah. helping them thrive. Mm-hmm. So start from the bottom, start building that financially literate foundation so that way you can pass that on to your kids because it might not necessarily start with you and your family. But like we talked about with Colin Kaepernick, 
it's going to make that spark that will start that fire within your kids and then they'll be that business owner or what have you in the later generation stop leaving debt on your will yes thank you thank yes. you Easy. so now that we got that out of the way coach k we're going to you and then we got the fresh jam of the week baby listen man i don't even think i need to leave a nugget after what you just dropped but that's fire. That's fire. <laughs> I've been practicing. He did it this week, baby. That was good. You're welcome on the assist. <laughs> I take that. I take that. First jam of the week, baby. What you got for us, Fresh? Oh man, because he didn't have to jump in. Let me uh <laughs> jump on. I mean, that really threw me off. Um, let's let's buy some time here. Exactly. I need that little uh, insert the little commercial right here, the Fledgeology commercial right here. But uh, <laughs> Fledgeology is brought to you by T Floor T shirt, the T shirt right there. The motivators at Fledgeology, you know, leap grow fly, you out of your comfort zone while Fresh is getting ready with the first time. Are you ready? We ready, baby. We ready. Oh, we ready. we ready. So go ahead, do your thing. Um, but yeah, you know me. I like to keep it eclectic. Uh, this is a jam, actually. Uh, B. Jones had hit me off with. I knew about it before B. Jones hit me off with it, but Damn, however, love today, you, know, you know, it was, uh, he, he brought it back to my memory. It just came out this summer. The song is called Meditation, something I think we all need to do, not just all of us at Fledgeology, but all of us as listeners, people in the world, everything, mm. taking that time and moment to be able to get back to yourself and mm. kind of, you know, uh, detox and, and, and clear your mind and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. it is by Gold Link, Jasmine Sullivan, and K Trinata. Mm. If you're not familiar with K Trinata, that dude this joint is fire. Um, quick little visual. Ooh. For all those that know crew in the DC area, yes, this is that same dude that gave you crew. I let it turn up a little bit. Oh man, when Jasmine Sullivan come on this joint, man, she started blowing. Just the beat, man. And it's crazy how the, um, uh, those Afro beats, it sounds real West Africa right now. Like real West Africa. He's taking over, bro. Blame Drake. Blame Nigeria, but okay. We got to let it ride till it gets to that Jasmine Sullivan part, dog. Oh, okay. We got Hey, while you're listening, man, make sure you check us out on Apple iTunes Podcast. You can find us on Google Play. Um, We're on YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud. Get connected with us. Subscribe to the show. Give us your comments. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. And tell us how much you appreciate being able to put a face to the voice. Oh, there she goes. How breast moving right now is how I move when Jenna comes on. Like that's my I feel you. Oh you hear this thing live, man. I promise I know it's gonna I know it's amazing. Yeah, I just and again I'm on, on that title if y'all, you know, you want to go ahead and check I, I it like out. How the, I like how the this spin is pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. title a title by Black Baby. Jay holla at us. We definitely uh would enjoy that sponsorship, baby. I just I just wanna say that the listeners definitely will let us know when we do something wrong. Uh Jay Dace definitely has a fan club that some of them have reached out to me to let me know that we we get on Jay a little bit too much. <laughs> hey, I appreciate y'all. That's what I happens with the intern. Y'all. That's what happens with the intern. Hey, man, we love all the love. love. It's just tough love, man. I and, try to you tell know. that he brings it on himself, but they don't believe me. <laughs> hey man well, we about to wrap this thing up man there it is ladies and gentlemen anybody got anything else nope all right man that is oh it. no 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 i do i have something that i want to end this podcast off with of course um, so we know that i i live life quite simple i've i've finished all the no i have i finished all the new no i buy what i want but i i live simply so sounds like you know, uh so here we go. So sounds like some integrity my, issues. No, no, no. It's it's simple, but but straightforward. So Lavish I, I um, you know, one of my my bucket dreams was uh, to attend 
um, one of these show tapings in in, uh, in Vegas and in LA. And I think way back in the day, uh, me and Fresh were in Vegas and we were gonna take a trip out to LA to go on a Price is Right. Well, that dream hasn't come through yet, but I am officially going to be on, let's make a deal on August the 4th. Really? Got my tickets. Oh, you're going to be in the crowd. I'm going to be, be the in the crowd. crowd, and I hopefully will be picked you by know, Wayne Brady. You know he's going to be picked. BFB. Oh, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I, I'm super excited. That's one of my bucket lists. Again, that's what's live. I have a very simple. Yeah, well, it, no, no, it's not live. It, it records, and it's like, and then it airs like, like three, okay. four months before they air it. Yep. But it is a nerdy episode, so it's going to come in nerd outfits. I will be asking you guys suggestions on what to wear for a nerdy outfit. What you got um, on right really now? My lists are going getting smaller and smaller, and it's not a big list, but that's where I was. I wanted this not a kid, so all these shows I've seen. I really thought that you said your list was getting smaller and smaller. I thought he thought I thought he said his listeners were getting smaller. No, my list, my list is getting. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. BJ, I appreciate the live dog. I'm about to put it in the hole for you. Bam! There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you. We appreciate you listening here with us on the 13th floor. Many thanks. But the furniture isn't always the best. But the, the views, views are, are amazing. amazing. Y'all better believe that. Now is your time to play. <laughs> I'm definitely leaving that in. <laughs> I might zoom the camera over the end. <laughs>